0: Welcome to the Growing Together Podcast, a show for inspiring conversation and practical steps to help your church become the church where all generations thrive. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and today my guest is Benjamin Lundquist. He's a director for Young Adult Ministries at the Oregon Conference of Seventh day Adventists and the host of the Rise and Lead podcast. Ben is an international speaker and Patterson Life Plan facilitator based in Portland, Oregon. So something amazing has happened here in just the last couple of weeks It actually concluded yesterday, if I remember the timeline correctly, uh, massive fires across the West coast, specifically uh, affecting our neighbors and our communities around us. Both of you guys were on the front lines, helping and serving. I'd love for you to tell the story about that.
1: So we, um, you know, here, here in Oregon, the, uh, Fires went through our state, and uh, there there were a lot of evacuees that were needing to be relocated. And here in Gladstone, where the Oregon Conference office is, we have a 55 acre piece of property. And the Red Cross reached out to our Adventist Church Network and said, Could we make your Gladstone property an official evacuee site for RVs and trailers? And that happened about, I think, three and a half weeks ago. Yeah. Three weeks ago. Maybe. Yep. And and so that's how, uh, that that was the connection with the Red Cross that opened up this property and we, you know, worked quickly over uh, about two days to get things set up. And uh, yeah, we had so many families coming in and they ended up living here on our property for about three weeks. And the crazy thing is, we normally hold uh, a very vibrant camp meeting that happens here in July and there was so much mourning about having to cancel camp meeting because of COVID. And little did we know that the fires from Oregon would bring camp meeting to us. And the clientele (laughs) was different, In the majority of the people coming were not Seventh-day Adventists. But what a beautiful experience over the last couple weeks. Um, I believe our highest number was 155 RVs. From the community, all fire evacuees that were here on our seventh day Avenue property.
0: It's interesting that you draw the connection between camp meeting and what took place, because generally speaking, when we have camp meeting here in the summer, the neighborhood isn't really excited. Like you're taking all the <laughs> all the water pressure out of our showers, you're taking all the parking. It's just like this place where we're kind of a nuisance, and yet now the perspective seem to really dramatically shift. Yeah, we
1: actually had somebody. Who drove by found out what was going on. He talked to one of our one of our team members and said, "He said my dad always had the most negative perception of of traditional camp meeting because the traffic and the things that you had mentioned, Justin. But he, and he mentioned seeing what you all are doing for fire evacue- evacuees has written a brand new narrative wow. about the Seventh day Avenue Church, and it's different than the one I was told from my dad." Mm.
2: Yeah, so so my part in this, I'm I'm more of the journalist that shows up. I I even though I have a heart for volunteering and I do when I can, I'm generally the person walking around talking to people, taking pictures, getting a a a story and a view of this that I can share with everyone who's not there or who is not yet there. Um but you know, 2020, once we start talking about this stuff um, and being the best neighbors, 2020 in this area has really pushed us into practicing what we preach, and and into uh, situations where we have to choose. Like, okay, you talk a big game, you say all of these things, you send out these messages wherever. But when push comes to shove, when your community needs help and needs you, where are you? You know, we've had we've had. Uh, The pandemic, we've had wildfires, we've had uh, kind of the question of the dignity and value of black lives. I mean, all of these major events going on around us. And consistently this year, when we have the choice, we choose to be the best neighbors, not just to ourselves, but this question becomes the community around us the people who are not us the people who are not adventist or not adventist
0: yet you know or the people literally are neighbors it's it's interesting because it's it's not just like your family it's your neighbors quite literally the church is our family we've been talking about this like church when done well is a family unit it's all cohesive and together so by definition neighbors can't actually be like the elder it can't be <laughs> yep, you no know, yep. the organist it has to be the people outside of my church experience these are my neighbors
1: yeah i i think that's huge and we we've learned so much you know through this through this process um, and if I were to reverse engineer how this even, and I may do a social media post on this, because I, I think it really would help people. Follow at Benjamin Lundquist <laughs> you're probably like, Instagram. You're probably like, yeah, that's not surprising. <laughs> but if you were to re- reverse engineer this, uh, Laura Pasco hmm. has been the director of our Portland Adventist Community Services Center uh, for a number of years. And it was her relationship building with the Portland community for over two years Mm. that when the Portland community, uh, the red cross needed help, they called uh, Laura because they had a two year relationship built up. And so when you begin to think about how do you become the best neighbor for the community? It's to it's, it's starting in advance before the crisis hits. So you can have the relational capital and connection so people know what you have to offer and they'll call you when they need help. And I'll I'll just put it this way, you have to be willing to do what seems insignificant so you'll have the opportunity to serve with significance when that opportunity arises. Mm. So you do the car washes and you pray over your fire department and you pray over your police station and you partner with the schools and you disinfect playgrounds for kids and you do the stuff that you may think at the time, anybody could do this. Like why is there a value in you know doing this food box and there is value because it's all about relationships. And often what seems like a small investment will set you up for the opportunity to give a huge investment like opening up your property to a, a pop-up camp meeting for <laughs> 155 RVs. And so it's just interesting that um, I think some of those small steps when it comes to organize your team before the crisis hits mm. and build the relationships before you need the relationship so they're in place when you do need them are just some of those aspects that I didn't know until we had gone through this. And I, I am so thankful that Laura Pasco invested in the relationship with the Red Cross for years. Giving us the opportunity to do what we did uh, with the resource that we had.
0: I love the way you you said it. Anybody could do this, and I, I think about all the things that that happen leading up to big events. And and it, we like to pitch ourselves as the kinds of people that, in a moment of crisis, we're going to stand up and rise. But but it, it reminds me of like Jesus' sentiment of you got to be faithful with the small things in order for you to be able to be trusted with the big things. And. And just because anyone can do it doesn't mean that everyone's actually doing it. And that's what sets us apart is actually being willing to do the small things because that's actually where relationships are built.
1: hundred percent, and one more name I'll drop, uh, Pastor Nate Hellman uh, here in the, at the Gladstone Park Church um, right up the road, He his church went through our Growing Young cohort last year, they are in year number two, but he has been meeting with a group of pastors from the local community for over a year. And so that connection, by meeting monthly with that group of Adventist pastors, non-denominational pastors, the chaplain for the fire department and the police department, gave him the relational connections Mm -hmm. so we could partner with the police and we could partner with the, the fire station down the street. And so again, it's all those little investments that really lay the foundation that when a crisis hits, you can be ready. And I'll just, I mean, we all know this you can't build a relationship overnight. You can't like a relationship is built over time Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of investment and it's a lot of intentionality. But when you lay that foundation and your team is ready on your end, it just was like, it's like God brought everything together for us to be able to support our community with these evacuees from the fire. And it was like, God had been setting this thing up Mm -hmm. years in advance through little investments in the community and through those those relational conversations.
2: So, so for for people who are now laying the foundation or hoping to lay the foundation, um, you know what is what is step one where people are like, okay, I haven't built the community <laughs> relationships yet, uh, but I recognize the need. Uh, where do I go to, today, tomorrow?
1: That's a great question. I would say first thing I would recommend is whatever wherever your community. Uh, get a touch point with your fire department with your police department with with your mayor But just get a touch point look for any gatherings of community Influencers that already exist and join those gatherings. I think sometimes we we have this hang-up that mm. it has to be our branded yeah. thing. yeah, <laughs> yeah. like no. I, I can't I can't help the food the,
0: the food kitchen down the street I need to start my own like, first. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: like I've got it like it has to be branded as ours don't ever let your name being in the title be a stumbling block to your influence. And and often, this has been my experience, often you already have the platforms of influence set up in your community. It could be food banks. It could be uh, helping low-income families uh, with with school situations, whatever mm-hmm. it is. The platforms are already there. Often, what they don't have is the man and woman power in volunteers. Mm -hmm. So, I think you know, look at your community who are the influencers, what platforms already exist, and seek partnerships before you look at launching something on your own. And there may be a time, and here's this is just my feeling. Only launch something on your own if you're meeting a need that nobody else can meet. Yeah, mm. because collaboration is always more powerful than something that's independent. So, are there other things that are already happening, and you can just partner? And it's relationships. Calling people up and saying, um, "Not here's what we can offer. Tell me about your organization." Mm.
2: So there's a there's an obstacle that comes with uh, a lot of Adventist culture in that. When people don't do things the exact way we want them done uh, it makes us a little hesitant to partner with them one one example is you know some of the restaurants that were willing to feed evacuees that are not adventist uh serve meat right and things like that like we have these interesting hang-ups uh when the the problem itself is hunger or the problem itself is safety um how do we overcome those kinds of barriers that we've built up over the years to, to partner with literally anybody else?
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I think, I think, I think that's a, that's a really good question, you know, and this is just me speaking personally. I think you've got to gut check yourself and ask yourself, why are you getting hung up on that? Mm. Why is that such a big deal to you? Is it that in any way your identity is misplaced in that Mm, thing or in that behavior. And and this, this may be, this all of a sudden got real serious. (laughs) But I think, but I think you have to ask yourself, like, why am I getting hung up on that? Yeah. Why am I getting hung up on that? And I'll, I'll give you a funny story. We had um, a very popular donut chain in Portland donate, (laughs) donate hundreds of dollars worth of donuts. The donut, um, organization is called voodoo it's great you know great name people people love this donut shop so much that when people fly out of portland you'll see them with a dozen donuts from voodoo so i went to pick up these donuts that were being uh donuts that were being donated for the evacuees and i opened up one of the boxes and they make all these weird flavors and right on the top was this beautiful maple glazed donut. Like uh-huh. if I don't eat a lot of donuts, but maple is is my, that's my go-to. And so here's this beautiful maple glazed donut and on top of the glaze oh, are no. three strips of bacon. Yep. And it's just a donut that they donut that they offer, but here's the thing. I'm not going to get hung up on um choosing what people partake in and what they don't. I want to make sure that that organization knows that we value their contribution as a donor and people also have 24 different varieties of donuts they could, <laughs> they, could, they could they could choose from and so yeah i think just going back to why am i getting hung up on that thing hmm. and is there a deeper issue that i need to wrestle over hmm. and just recognize that you know a, a person's as you as you gave that example of you know health a person's health is super important but our highest priority is we have 150 RVs and people are displaced and they are so stressed, even to the point where some may be suicidal mm. because of what they've gone through the bacon on the maple donut is not highest priority right now.
0: I think what you're trying to say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's very important for us to keep our primary objective, our, our, our goal and our mission in mind, and that when we have that in mind, a lot of these other important things are relegated to their proper space. They're not taking center stage anymore. And I think this could theoretically help the the health of our churches overall that, yeah. that tend to be majoring in the minors and minoring in the majors.
1: 100%. And I, you know, I, I've got two little kids, 10 year old and nine year old. And in the same way as raising kids, what you model speaks way louder than what you say. Yeah. And I think just model the healthiest, most faithful life you can. One that loves the community, one that w- reaches out and builds connections. And what you model at the right time, people will ask questions. And they already have, you know, in the last couple of weeks. But I think you just have to um, recognize that things are important at the right time and in the right space. But you've got to recognize, you know, and pray through what's the highest priority right now. And we're providing food and we're providing a place to stay for displaced families of the fire. Yeah, And so just recognize you can't hit every conversation at one time and just make sure that what is most important is staying most important in the moment that it's in.